After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hello and welcome to Mind Rolling with me, David Silver, and Raghu Marcus. And we um, we had all kinds of subjects, no, subjects that we thought, themes that we thought we'd talk about, but none of them passed the muster. There were, there were some dumb ones that you... Uh, we, it's oh, you were about to say that I came up with, I, I saw that. Well, um, yeah, it's know. true though, I did. Like, we we're going to talk about the 50s and Mad Men... <laughs> I said to him, you mean the TV show? He said, no, <laughs> yeah. the era, the era. Yeah, yeah, but also the TV show. But then, you know, we started thinking we didn't really feel like that, right? Existentially but being in the present, it wasn't Mad Men for now. My f- I wanted to say, since you brought it up, I'm going to huh? say it. Okay. My father had an ag- agency at that time, and all the furniture looked just like Mad Men <laughs> on the set. Okay? He was living, you know, kind of that life. In Did he look like that guy at uh, that time? Yeah. Uh, not quite. That What's guy is, What's you know, John Hamm is. John Hamm. Is, yeah. yeah, he's a he's an actor. So no, he didn't. Anyhow, I did <laughs> float through that myself, and when I was completely and absolutely eviscerated by the idea that this life sucked, <laughs> I didn't know what to do about it. So I floated through that uh, uh, madman set that uh, my father had at the time, down in uh, in a very hip section of Montreal, old Montreal. It was, uh, you know, who cares? I don't want to think about that. <laughs> we don't that. want to talk about this. We're not going to talk awful. about this. But I came up with that idea. But then, no, there was another part of the idea, which was, you know, from Mad Men to what happened in the later 60s, what was in that show, what is in that show when you watch it? Because it's pretty authentic that disappeared and why did it disappear? But I don't even want to talk about that because it did disappear and who cares? <laughs> Thank God. That, you know, misogynistic displays of horror shows in the office and horribly elitist thinking and competition. Hey, and bleh. You told me something about how great Nixon was because what did he do that was great? That was terrific. Great. Thanks for that. Well, the thing is, to my best of my knowledge, but Google this if you care is that Lyndon Johnson, well, originally FDR passed social welfare plans, but it was Lyndon Johnson who brought in the great society, so that made them even more entitlements. But it was Richard Nixon that took, I believe, Medicare and Medicaid and made it what it is now, which for all people's complaints actually works if you, if you can use it. And it was him that did that, that he actually, Richard Nixon, what's, what's wrong? <laughs> You're pointing at me like aggressively. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want. Well, first of all, the microphone. Do you mind taking the 
cord off of your microphone, and you've been disturbing okay. our okay. listeners. Okay, okay. but basically, basically, you asked me the question. I'm giving you the answer. That I remember knowing that Nixon really consolidated the social welfare programs and entitlement programs that were created originally by FDR and LBJ. And that it's weird because Nixon is sort of like a, a, a pretty bad... He was the of, best bad guy there ever was. I love Nixon that way. He was, <laughs> Oh, God. I wish we hadn't started this. Thing. Yeah, but then, you, you know, and the only him. reason you were brought up this thing about Nixon uh, yeah. and how great he was for, for creating the Social Security, whatever, amendments, whatever Mixed, he did. Mixer of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and the only reason that came up is... Your other great idea about something to talk about was the 60s and being in your 60s. Uh, okay, but you did, you made kind of a face when I suggested that one. But it, yeah, because, no. we, you know, nobody in the 60s wants to be characterized as such. It's just so ridiculous. But what can we say? Um, yeah, from you know, one of the things I found is that as I got old, <laughs> er, um, I just couldn't feel much different except by experience than what i felt like in 1960 i mean it's still the same person except you're that ego changes modifies through experience well you know in terms of the basic trip i don't feel any older actually but clearly you know <laughs> you look older to me and i've known you a long time well i you know but you have white hair if people who are just listening to this and this could get quite vitriolic. Um, my my hair is the same color as it was when I was twenty eight. Yes, lovely. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to get serious here, though. Seriously, Nixon. Um, it's a weird thing that with the political situation in this country has become so extremist. The Richard Nixon would be sort of thought of like Mao. He's a moderate, no. no. He's a total moderate now. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the end of that part of the theme park. Um, <laughs> we, uh, okay, listen, I'll, yeah. I'll do something for you, you know, because you have come up with a bunch of lame topics that we don't want. <laughs> I'm going to play you some music. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's we we sit around and we turn each other on to different cool music. Uh, it's true. And he's never heard this. I mean, I played a little bit just to say, is there any way I can play this song? I want to play this song. Well, I said definitely. And I'm not even going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to say who it is. Not w one of you would know, David, or any of you out there. None of you are going to know who this is.
Who is it? Tell us. Okay, so it's Rokia, R-O-K-I-A, Trarore, T-R-A-R-O-R, 
and E with an accent. Française, aigu. T-R-A-O-R-A, accent aigu. So, Rokia tra, Traore. I can hardly say it. That's terrible. Traore. T-R-A-O-R-E. You can't, it's called, uh, the record is called uh, a, a very, another very difficult name, Chamanche. T-C-H-A-M-A-N-T-C-H-E. You know, Dave, can you make this record an extra on mindrollingpodcast.com? Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. So and then, beautiful. Guys, you just have to go there and you, you'll find this. You can find it through Amazon, which, of course, we've said before, you know, helps to support uh, us continuing to do these uh, podcasts, which we really love. And we love all of the uh, feedback and, and letters and emails and Facebooks and Twitters and all that. It's uh, wonderful. Uh, and Dave does, he's on there. You, you're, you have a lot of new friends. I, I do. It's really quite remarkable um, and unexpected. But um, by the way, to do, you know, to help us with Amazon, you know, Go through the portal on Mindrolling Podcast. Well, it's a banner on Mindrolling Podcast. I like portal. It's like Captain Kirk. It is a thing. It is a portal, Um, and you go there when you and it just links you to Amazon, and then give. We have an affiliate thing with them, so that we get some you know small percentage that they kick us back, but it costs you the exact same thing. So that way, it's a win-win for everybody. So thank you, and that's uh, that track. By the way. You know, I I was deeply involved with a world music label that we ran for many years uh, in Los Angeles, uh, Triloca Records, it was called. We had a lot of really wonderful artists and uh, great uh, great music uh, over time. And, and we did do music from Africa. And actually, before the company, which ended in 2007, about six years ago, before that happened, I actually was over in Europe and just... Uh, looking at various groups that I wanted to uh, bring to the to the label and bring to the United States, to the West, uh, I mean to North America rather. Um, and this was one of them, and I was totally knocked out by this uh, woman. So eventually the record did come out, and I know it's on Amazon, so that would be great. Uh, and and but the other thing about this when when I listen to you know this which I don't understand the words this is from West Africa Benin or something like that. Uh, yeah, we should find that out. It sounds like Mali, more like Mali to me because it's like Tenariwen, mm. who are my favorite band. And we'll play something then. Some yeah, so maybe time. it is. Well, Benin it's got is that right same. Next to it. It's got that same rhythmic thing. Going. Yeah. And but wherever we'll find that out. We, this is we're being on the present here. We didn't do research for this podcast. We're trying to do something. Yeah, we just found this. I haven't yeah. listened to this in years. And well, Dave we and I were just going through uh, my iTunes and saying, "Hey." This looks like something. Um, so, but what I wanted to say was, even though I don't know the words, I, you know, when this song goes, you know, it, it starts and it, it's, you know, it's got a, a slow beat in the beginning and then it picks up and it's got this incredible guitar work in it. It's just, boy, uh, whoever that is. But as it, as she, you know, the the whole song expands and you start to. I could feel her life in this song, mm. like a movie. That, you know, with no necessity to understand the words, you know, and so much more in times to me, you know, like so many times in a movie, they'll, you know, be watching a movie, a good movie, whatever, and then they'll play a song 
you know, to thematically tie whatever they want together. And sometimes it'll be like, I remember once, like Peter Gabriel. Yeah. It was, you know, one of his songs, you know, uh, one of those, I mean, he's so resonant and it's so heart opening, his whole thing. I mean, I couldn't watch the movie. Yeah. I closed my eyes. I went. With, I was going with where the music was taking me, uh, way beyond the movie. It just surpassed the, uh, isn't And that's the idea. That's why they do it, the good ones, because they know that at that point they want you to have just kind of a visceral response to the, what's going on on the screen, and it works. You have this great music. She, I mean, she and her choir and her band, I mean, that's music that's from, you know, if I, I mean, it's like angelic to me. And yet, incredibly hot and 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 you know intoxicating, but very very. I can only think, you know, you could be very wrong about this, but I don't think I am. What that song is about, no matter what it's about, is has the trick of of taking you out mm. of, of of whatever it is. I mean, you know, so many concerns. People love music. I live in New York City and. Just watching how many people have got, you know, pods in their ears on on every conceivable form of travel, including taxis, of course. And it's so important to people. And it's to me and to you. And it's because it transports you like that. I've never heard her before. I didn't need to know what the words were either. It doesn't matter. In fact, you're right. You know, it's it's actually more pure when you just hear what the, the emotion and... The technique behind it, it just takes you. And you we, know, we hope you agree with us about it. Yeah, let us know. <clears throat> um, there's more of this because of my relationship with world music. Uh, certainly happy to turn people on to some great stuff. Um, you know, I th- we had a podcast that we did once with a good friend of ours in the music business, Danny Goldberg, and, and we were talking about the impact of music on us in the, in the late 60s, early 70s that helped, you know, with basically our transformation into a, you know, understanding there was, as I've said many times, I, I prefer to couch it as we understood there was a place for happiness and evenness and contentment, you know. None of those words would I've used back then, but uh, I use them now because I think they really suggest what it was that we were looking for was we were rather unhappy um and certainly so the music and and danny was saying well i don't think there's anything different now there's music that comes up now that is as important and transforming for people as it was then you know and uh, i thought that was a really even kind of even measured mature statement somehow i can't quite live with it though <laughs> Well, nor me, but that's, I guess that's an aspect of deep calcification. But, you know, that we just get old. But no, 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 I know. know. The thing is that this music, this music you just played, and world music, you know. Yeah, and this is from the last 10 years, by the way. Right. But given that now people have access to, to music of this type from anywhere, in a way it is as amazing because I know that, you know, teenagers I know and people in their 20s, um, they have music that they that, that that does it for them. They don't go, oh, you know, this is not quite doing it for me. I wish, you know, I wish it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And they love all that stuff too. I mean, they know about Crosby, Stills, and the Beatles. But there is music now available. 
I mean, if you just go on NPR or something that's weird and, and listen to the music they play, I never have heard of any of them. But they, there's great music. There is great music. So, but the question, the bigger question is, is it just music or was it just everything together? And that's what mm, I believe yeah. it is. It was Vietnam. It was marijuana. It was LSD. And it was, it was Alan Watts and, and, and Timothy Leary and Ram Dass and everything. It was all happening. And we couldn't help but get affected by it. But a lot of people didn't. It's interesting to look back and realize that the people who are now running the government most of them in their 60s and 70s. And a lot of them maybe have done it once, you know, like smoked once or something. But very quickly they got into that other game and love it, you know, the government corporate complex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so not everybody, and we're wandering here, but um, look, that piece of music was so beautiful. And if that had been played in 1968 or 69, I think people would have gone crazy for it too. Well, there was, you know, people from Africa that come, just starting to come over just and, starting. and India yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. you know, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're, you're right. I, I think there is a confluence now, though, r happening right now of similar proportions in terms of the... And we've said this in the very first web ca uh, podcast that we did, talking about what are the similarities between the stressors from that era and, and where we are right now. And there are so many similar from the, mm. the economic situation that's been there for years, uh, which is hopefully getting better, but uh, from that to the, to the war, which is hopefully soon ending, but it's hard to tell that, that you know, you hear about the stuff going on with, uh, you know, the Koreas and so on. It's bad. And so forth, you know, so Post 9-11 has yeah. been... So you know. the, these stressors are likely, more than likely, to, to continue. These, these particular ones, the social ones related to the economy and the political ones, of course, which are, although thankfully uh, President Obama got back in, uh, I, I, I know many people, of course, have a lot of... Uh, negative stuff you know regarding and it's maybe not so much him it's it's uh it's just the fact that this it's this government the government as the way it, it is set through congress and with the um balance of powers and all of that it's not governable and so he can't really do what needs to be done and he's just mollifying and trying to you know wade through and then there's stuff that's going on that are you know make people really unhappy uh, regarding what he's done with the war and so on. So well, drones and things like and that. Drones. I mean, people, you know, kids talk a lot about that. Uh, I'm mean, talking about young ones too, you know. But certainly young people. I've met lots of people and had conversations with lots of people who are listening to new music. Shall we say that you know? and are, are interested in South by Southwest and what goes on there and all the new stuff. I mean, they're talking about the Keystone Pipeline. They're talking about drones. They're mm -hmm. talking about the total idiocy and, and awfulness of the lying Iraq wars. You know, you know what, what I mean? They yeah. know about this as much as we do. And, and you're right. There's a confluence of pressure and, and kind of a malaise of not believing in the society because it's so bought and sold, shall yeah. we say. Yeah. Which is, is that much different? No. Not at all. And is it also not much different when you hear, I mean, it's true that we are quote unquote in the business of consciousness. I mean, we work on stuff. 
around consciousness you know even if it's room you know i mean we've been working on music yeah. as far as i'm concerned david and i have worked on done a lot of music stuff together in record companies and otherwise and, and videos and, and we so we've been fortunate that way yeah so that we do meet people but we are meeting a lot of people now you know from 20s and 30s generation that absolutely seem to be absolutely committed to wanting to do some compassionate act to help mm. and and as a result of of that desire they're finding you know spiritual paths that make sense for them and uh you know and that's what we're doing up here is uh you know trying to uh share the um what we really have gotten out of doing this, this just practicing, practicing for the years that we've done, what's really that there you can sense, you know, now there's a certain value come to it. And, and I guess the, the, the biggest thing is, you know, the, the neurotic issue. I mean, you know, I mean, we are two very neurotic people. Speak for yourself. I think, I think I'm perfect. <laughs> I mean, you know. But, uh, no, been, but look, you've done all this work. Are you less neurotic than you were, you know? No, but I, no, I'm more neurotic. But I now have a little bit more ability to, to distance myself from these responses and reactions. You know, I mean, words, you told me a story. Don't say anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't. I have to. <laughs> what? You already told it on, on, on the podcast that you stole a, a cherry tomato. No, no it wasn't a cherry. It was a, a chocolate egg. I, a chocolate I egg. Stole okay. It. And yeah. it was only six years ago. No, it wasn't. It was in 1970. You sound like a Rasta. No, it was 1970. <laughs> Mon, it was. No, Mon, I'm 74, you know. It was 1975, oh, actually. Okay. And that's was, after you were realized, though. But I was. I, look. That's a long time ago. I wouldn't steal anything now because I'd be very frightened of, of the consequences. But no, what, I mean, is it better? It's bullshit to sort of say that you've got you've because of of consciousness and yoga and all and consciousness um, practice, awareness practice that these things go away because they don't really go away. They're there in your in your now defunct ego based. Um, identity that hopefully you've seen through on some level, it's dissolved on some level. What defunct? It's not defunct yes, yet. <laughs> no, I don't mean the body's defunct, but hopefully... No, the ego the, hasn't defunct it. Uh, no, but it, 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 after 40 or whatever years of, of doing it, uh, you're far more able to spot it when it comes up, which it comes up a lot. And so suddenly you're jealous or suddenly you're paranoid or suddenly you're scared. Fear is the I think the number one sort of mm -hmm. intruder that it's not like it used to be where you go into a paroxysm for weeks and, and, and want to kill yourself and, and do lots of bad things because of this. Yes. Yeah, so now I go into a paroxysm for, you know, maybe a, mim a minute even sometimes. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. But then there is a, there's some tool that's come into play and goes, come on, stop. You know, you're going to be dead mm -hmm. soon. What the hell? Probably the best way to characterize this is by our, of course, friend R.D., They've become like little schmooze, the neuroses. <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, that's a, yes. Yeah, I mean... So in other words, they're not, you know, they're just sort of buzzing around instead of like, you know, bulldozing you into God knows what. So 
you know, that's... Uh, hey, listen, I have another thing. I, uh, I, Music? No. Oh. I am... Um, since we're talking about this... Yeah. Oops. Yes. Let's move this over. Um, I thought that um, we could play... We, there is a, uh, a teacher out there, and, and we just came upon this... I did today, and we would like to share this. It's Pema Chodron. She's actually a Westerner, and she is a uh, she has been a disciple of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, and who's a great Tibetan Lama who died in the eighties. We've talked about him a million times. Incessantly, we, we've talked. We about incessantly him. talk about people and things that only he and I are interested in, and. That's going to limit, you know, all of our friends out there, I guess. Or maybe not, because maybe what we like is shareable. Um, so I am... Um, How long is it going to take you to find this file? I found it. It's dead air. I okay. found it, okay. Can I just get my iPad, because I want to do some research. Okay. I do. You go, wait, just wait and, until... Okay, go ahead. David's going to do some research, and we're going to play just... It's just a few minutes long of this thing. Uh, it's extraordinary. It's called The Challenge of Being Present, and it's from some series of talks she gave called uh, Getting Unstuck. So our subject is learning to stay. Really, that's the essence of it, is learning to stay present. But the truth is, anyone who's meditated even one day learned fast that we almost are never present. I remember really clearly when I was first given the instruction Oh, it's very simple. Just sit down, get comfortable. That's the first wonderful instruction. <laughs> relax. That's the other impossible task. Get comfortable, relax. Be aware of your breath. And when your mind wanders, just come back and just stay present with your breath. So I thought that will be easy. And then I went and Someone sat up in front and hit the gong, and then I tried it. And what happened was, I wasn't with one single breath until they hit the gong again to end the session. <laughs> that I had just spent the whole period lost in thought. Now at that time, I thought that was some particular failing of mine, and that if I just stuck with meditation, very soon, I would be able to be a perfect meditator, stay with every breath, or maybe occasionally be distracted by a little something now and then, but mostly I would just stay present. So now let's see, how many years later is this? It's quite a lot of years later. I mean, it might be 30 years later or something like that. So you'd think that I would be really good at it, right? <laughs> well, in some sense, I am really good at it. But... What I've learned is that doesn't mean that I'm not thinking all the time. That's a strange thing. I seem to have an extremely busy mind. And there's a lot of activity, but it's not how it 
I remember very well how it used to be. But the fact is that all kinds of things happen when you meditate. Everything from, you know, shortness of breath or strange visual images, physical discomfort, emotional upheavals, <laughs> uh, to uh, peak experiences, you know, all of that. And the basic attitude is no big deal. Or there's something that actually I hope to be repeating over and over. And this is like a core theme. It's a line of one of the morning chants. That whatever arises is fresh, the essence of realization. And this is actually our view, that whatever arises in our body, in the confused mind, it's regarded as the essence of realization. Whatever arises, if you cling to it as I'm doing well now, or this is how it's supposed to be, that's um, adding something extra. And if you panic or criticize, that's adding something extra. On the other hand, even the panic and the praise are whatever arises is fresh, the essence of realization. You see, I think that's why I have this lousy meditation that doesn't bother me anymore. (laughs) Because... Whatever arises is the fresh, and I know that's absolutely true. And, you know, so I just have this hopelessly unworkable, non-meditative mind, and I've devoted my whole life to it (laughs) and talked to millions of people about it. It's, like, completely absurd, you know? But, uh, and actually, what I also notice about the few people I've met in my life that I consider to be completely awake... They learn to stay. And that's what you feel. You feel this sense of eternal present. They don't go off anywhere like we do. They just stay. And that seems to be what enlightenment is. It's the simplest thing and the most profound thing at the same time. Well, that says it. Yeah, we're not going to do I yeah. don't think we could say a word after that. Yeah, we that. shouldn't hey, annotate geez. that. It's so good. I do want to say one thing, though. Yeah. That uh, I love Pema Children's stuff, and I'm reading a long time. I have something called the Compassion Box at home, which mm. is her work. And it's a book and a CD and a, a, a 54 cards based on Lojong, the Lojong practice of Buddhism. It doesn't matter what that is. It's just a way of, of dealing with your daily life, kind of almost like the I Ching or something, but it's pithy statements. And then you, 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 you pick your card any day or after a week or a month or whatever, pick another one, and then you go to the book and it explains it. And then you go to the CD and you hear her talking. It's beautiful. I've had really? it for many years. I want this. Wait, yeah. where, where do you get you can, this? Well, you can get it at Amazon, uh, but it's a little expensive. It's, if you want to buy it new, it's $135. If you want to get a used one, it's about $45. And um, Wait, What's the name of it? It's called The Compassion Box. And uh, this is not an ad, because as we've said, this, this, this show is spontaneous. But do go through our um, banner on... Um, Mind Rolling Podcast. That is an ad. It is an ad. Yes. But I, I But it's a it's an impromptu it's an kind ad. of ad. <laughs> it's an ad. Okay. It's born of of not of So of, the compassion box. I want yeah. I'm gonna go get it. I, I don't care. It's fantastic. And I've we've been using it for years. The pithy statements, the Tonglen pithy statements they're called mm. in the Lojong tradition, are so helpful. And then you put them on a little stand on wow. uh, it's a card, and you put a little stand on my desk, and if I'm 
perfect Christmas present. Look, it is. It's wonderful. The other thing is that Pema Children's books uh, on audio audiobooks are read by her, which is enormously important because I just heard her. She's great. And there's many of them on audible.com, and we have a banner for that too. So if you decide to get something a little less expensive, an audiobook, uh, there are at least four to ten titles. I don't know how many of, of Pema's stuff. And uh, they're great reading, and they're always helpful. Just like Sharon Salzberg. Just, yeah. I mean, it's the same. <laughs> Real practical wisdom. Um, but ju- you have to say that if it helps us if you do go to Audible to get uh, Payma's books uh, and, and you know have them with her reading them, which, as David says, is a huge difference. Uh, you get a free trial with them, and we get uh, a kickback uh, for every person. Uh, we get $15. So that's going to go a long way to supporting us. You get a free book and everything. So... Uh, Thank you for the compassion box. Um, I want to just, something she said, I do want to um, talk about a little bit. I think it's, it's so much the key. I mean, the way she says it is fantastic. And it's, it, it is, uh, as she said, from one of her chants uh, that they do, I guess, Tibetan chants. Whatever arises is fresh. The essence of realization if you cling to anything, if you panic about anything, or if you if you're thinking how wonderful you are for just you know uh, doing something extraordinarily good or compassionate, all of that would go under the column. Whatever arises is fresh because anything that you're gonna it's she calls it it's isn't she so good she says it's like adding an extra onto the fact is whatever comes up is absolutely perfect, but you do not need to hold on to any of it. You do not need to chase the thought. You do not need to chase the emotion. You do not need to have all of the, how many of the Tibetans have like 25 um, different uh, destructive emotions that they describe? Well, no, the 84,000. 84,000. That's what I read because they say there's 84,000 disturbing emotions that they've, that the, the, the old lamas categorized. I thought I just got through, you know, maybe like four of the 21. And <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm, you know, it's, life is tough. Um, yeah. It, keeps, it, <laughs> it doesn't get any easier. But I love that what she says here because, you know, it's that whole thing of it fading. It's the little schmoo thing. The they schmoo become thing like again. little schmoo. That's the only go. thing after a while. Of practicing, practicing, this shit becomes more like little schmooze. It really does. It happens. It's true. Yeah, we all get these things. We had huge schmooze, Dave. I mean, Dave, you. You know, they were gigantic. They were the Zeppelin sized schmooze over our head, you know. But, but, you know, schmooze then. Somebody once said to me, it's very cliche, they said, if you try and fight these schmooze, fight them, that's not going to work. You've got to think of them as the way cows are in a meadow when they want to leave the meadow. Just imagine like that. So they don't rush out of the meadow. No cows are running and jumping over. They're not doing that. They're slowly walking out of the meadow. And, and this teacher said to me, just if you can, just make the schmooze into cows. And they'll eventually leave the meadow. And the meadow will be empty. And then some more will come in. But that do that way. In other words, to force, you know, you're in a meditation and suddenly you're thinking about some resentment, say, some real deep resentment against somebody. And it's amazing how, as she says, she went from the first gong to the last gong without ever concentrating on her breath. 
and this is pay my children. This isn't me. You know, so. <laughs> well, that was when she, she was just starting. starting. Yeah. Yes. Although I'm she sure said. She gets quite she, absorbed. Raga, she said, I have a busy mind, which is key here. Right. You no, know, she's not yeah. denying that this, that she's saying they're still here, but now I've learned, I, my practice is, that's what it's for, for, you know, to get rid of the schmooze. You know, and then you turn to the booze <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Why did you say that? Um, I don't know. Neither of us drink, by the way. Yeah. We don't do drugs or drink. Um, we don't. Uh, so, um, payment children. So, that wasn't a great thing. To, do you have anything else up your sleeve here? Well, at this point, I have to tell you, uh, I do have a question for you. Really? Relating back to that topic that uh, we we sort of uh, touched upon, uh, the, being sixty in the sixties, uh-huh. being sixty and the sixties. Oh God! Okay, I still I I. It's come to me that I really want to know what it was that you were. Wh- what are you really talking about? The sixties. Now you're in your sixties. Well, I'm not. You know, obsessed personally with the sixties. I interested always, and it's always great to you know hear. You know, Jimi Hendrix has a new record out. I know, okay? I know. So it's harking us back to the sixties. It's great, it, you know. But the thing is, what what do you do with that when you actually at a point in your life when you should be growing up a little bit, but you're not, of course. And for me, what's what is remarkable about the sixties and the effects of certain. Um, circumstances and artifacts music people going to india coming back with knowledge and with actual direct experiences all of this had such a powerful effect there's no question about it that there's no diminution on my part of the effect and i would be unhappy if there were and it's not acid Mm -hmm. flashes okay it's nothing to do with that it's just somehow there is something something ripened quickly and then we it's taken our whole lives now we're in the 60s, to actually be able to achieve anything with it because it was explosive. There's no question about it. I mean, when I first was, was um, when I, I went to see Timothy Leary speak one time, and after the lecture, I was just, I, I mean, I could hardly walk. I was dizzy. Not out of any kind of disorientation, but just, oh my goodness. Something in me has always sort of felt that, but that guy just articulated it. Another reality, another... Uh, an altered consciousness which eventually moves towards some kind of spiritual realization i didn't i didn't know the ramifications in 1968 i don't even who could say they know them as soon as you start saying you know them you're fucked but it's taken those 40 almost 50 years whatever to catch Jesus. up on stuff that happened in a a kind of what's the word it was synthesized throughout everything it was in the papers it was on tv it was your friends it was stuff you could buy it was music it was the way it felt in the streets it was the violence it was the war we've talked about this before and now it's a different world because of the connectivity of people who feel this same kind of alienation they can talk facebook is just jam-packed with people who are responding to the this sort of level of society and government and all that, and just going, no, I don't think so. You're not telling the truth to me. And by the way, 
I want to I want to find a different way with my life. And it's some for some people, it's like some friends of mine. Uh, I've stopped doing what they're doing, and are now in, in Vermont uh, doing uh, gardens, which they're then as models and bringing them into the inner cities and creating self-sufficient um, food bases for people who are actually eating the wrong food or not eating at all. That's what's happening because of the internet and because of Facebook and everything. We had those aspirations in 1968. No question about it. Get rid of the war. Stop this. Give peace a chance. Make things right for gay people and for women and for people of color. All of those things were there. But now it's actually happening to the extent that people are able to use these tools. I, I, there's no question about it. Well, I, you just said it. Actually, what I really think the greatest importance and relevance right now, it's not a matter, as you say, of flashbacks or nostalgia. No. That's really crap. Mm. But what there is information that was developed then. It, it, it was his first development, and it was in a very pure form then. Since then, it has been, except for the Tibetans, you know, who have managed to keep, uh, you know, that essence. I mean, a lot of, like yoga, you know, I mean, there's more, I mean, it's all great because even if you're going to go practice to make your, you know, body beautiful or, you know, or meet people, you're going to, something, you have the chance for something to happen to turn you on. But but it has been watered down and, and there's a way in which, you know, not, you know, not just that specific information, but the way in which people who went through that, and, and as you're saying right now, can say, look, this is, you know, this is what has um, manifested in my life after going through that and, and, and this arc of time. Uh, here, you know, you can share something that's, that's meaningful. The 60s can share something that's meaningful in from the political the social and and the spiritual aspect i i really do believe that you know that that when we connect these two things up and we've done so from the very beginning on mind rolling the connectivity of of uh, these two eras i think is i do think it's important and uh um and i i think us uh, further discussing this and in into the because the one thing you said, these people are starting gardens. Now they're going to use, they're, they're taking what they're doing and they're creating models which can be taken into other communities. Once you, you talk, that social activism of, of, you know, of the most conscious variety, and I think we should talk more about that. Well, I mean, but the, the communes... today, of, but... No, I mean, in the 60s, there were weird communes and some of them were actually pretty good, but a lot of them failed because they were just... We were just children, really, you know, but with these flashes of ideas... But now people can't afford to fail. They are on. They know they have to activate them in a way yeah. that makes. So I mean, my friend Bhavani and your friend, you know, I eat green is her website and her radio show, and I, I look at it all the time on, on Facebook and everything. And she's just completely focused on food, on mm -hmm. good food, on on nutritious food, and against GMOs and all sorts of of chicanery that's going on in in industrialized food manufacturing. So she's doing it. And we know she was there. That, well, she's not that old, but she's she's developed. Sorry, Bhavani, the Dave. <laughs> and Bhavani, you look twenty-two. I told you that when I saw you. The truth is that people are practicalizing all this stuff now, and it may not be as sort of spectacular. There's no Abby Hoffman's running around. There's no even Ralph Nader's who was part of it. He was part of it, part of the education of America, 
against a lot of lies and dangerous lies. Corporate like car, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Cars, that, cars that crashed and burst into flame. Yeah. That's how Nader started. But I mean, I am very moved by the fact that a lot of people I meet from the age of 14, 15 to 30 and over, you know, are doing amazing things. Mm. And it, that is karma yoga. In other words, they may not be going to gurus. They may not even be reading about anything, uh, you know, but I find often that there's a connection. So they do know who Pema Chodron is and very well, and yet they're still doing stuff that is very much down to earth and saying, I want to make this planet better. For well, Pema Chodron's a little esoteric. You think so? Pema? Yeah, I think she's well known in the Buddhist community, but not outside of it. So you That's might... my peeps. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little narrow, Dave. All right, All I right. want you to do I'm a little sorry. expansive reading for right, our well, next how podcast. About, okay, how about... Um, Katy Perry, okay. I mean, I'm not, you know, the, the pop singer. Oh, Katy Perry, yeah. yeah. She does things for causes. She does. And it's autom- It's almost automatic for, for pop stars well, the, these days. The guy she was with who divorced, or they divorced. Uh, the Russell English. Brand. Yeah, he's truly into yoga, actually. He's very much into yoga. And he's yeah. also into... Uh, we should get Russell on the show, He's amazing. Actually. He's kind of weird because he's... You know, but he's like you uh, yeah, he from is. England. Well, you know, he talks like this. He says, "Well, should I talk about this or not? Yeah. Or is this a dirty statement? Should I talk about meditation?" <laughs> he's ridiculous. But but no, that's only part of the celebrity thing. It's just this whole thing of of I I don't know. Maybe I'm deluded. But looking at Facebook, I see multiple numbers of people who are both interested in consciousness. And interested in ameliorating the condition of people mm-hmm. less fortunate yeah, themselves. Yeah, I agree. That's remarkable. Yeah, that is kills totally. me. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of another one of our podcasts, Dave. And really? uh, we're yeah. done. Yeah, we're done today. Okay. I'm the boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we thank everybody for being here. We By the thank way, he's not the boss. You know, the boss. You're not the boss of me. No. Okay. Ram Das is my boss. Ram Das is um, Thanks for the support. Go to Amazon. Go to Audible. You can further support us or just donate, which is less thrilling because, you know, when you go to Amazon, you get some. Although the donation thing is good, too, because that, you know, uh, we, we appreciate every dollar to, again, change out Dave's wardrobe. You didn't tell them not to donate. This is not a good thing. They can donate purely without Amazon or Shamamazon. They can just give that's in it. order to keep this. Shamamazon. <laughs> They'll love us. All right. All right. That's it. We, we're getting delirious. Uh, Dave, thanks for this. Thank and you, Raghu. Yes. We'll see you guys. Go to mindrollingpodcast.com and uh, check out the extras. <laughs> <laughs>